It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Well, how about this? The Rangers now up 2-0. I told you Adam Fox scored on the power play. Chris Kreider has also scored on the power play. It is nine and a half minutes into the first period. Rangers leading the Hurricanes 2-0. Now Carolina on a man advantage. A lot of penalties early in this game. That, of course, is Game 7. The winner will face Tampa Bay in the East Final. That one starts on Wednesday. Also tonight, now this game is not going to start until after we're... uh, off air, but you can follow it on the WHL website, or of course, uh, we'll have all the updates on our morning sports run here on 630 Ched. Seattle at Kamloops, game seven of the West Final in the Western Hockey League. And the winner comes to Edmonton to play the Oil Kings, game one Friday at seven, game two Sunday at four in the afternoon, oilkings.ca for tickets and uh, all the schedule info, and you know what a great season the Oil Kings have been uh, been having. They have only lost one playoff game through the first three rounds, and uh, they're going to have home ice here in the best of seven. Now, the full schedule not yet out for that Western Hockey League final, but they have announced that the Oil Kings will host the first two games. So that is exciting there. Going to have a lot of – well, we've already had, and we're getting more, more playoff hockey to follow here in Edmonton. It's pretty fun. Uh, and the Edmonton Elks, and we'll get the update on them from Dave Campbell in about an hour. They won their preseason opener on Friday. And uh, another game coming up, their second final preseason game on Friday. And it's on 6.30, Chad. 5, 5.30 for the countdown to kick off. Game at 7, Elks against the Stamps. It is the Stand with Ukraine game. And uh, all single-game preseason tickets now on sale for 15 bucks, with net proceeds going to the Canada-Ukraine Foundation. So we have a lot to talk about. But, of course, the headline is the Oilers and the Avalanche in the West Final. And for further discussion on that, I am pleased to welcome to the show from the NHL Network, it is Mike Kelly checking in. Mike, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Now, I, I believe... If we had talked earlier in your career, uh, we would have been talking to you as perhaps a rival of one of our Edmonton-based teams because you did, you coached the UNB Varsity Reds, did you not? I did not, but well, there another are Mike a couple Kelly. of there okay. are a couple of Mike Kellys floating around. How many out there? Mike one, Kellys uh, are there? There are too many. Yeah, you know what? I've never met any in person, but I know there's a junior Mike Kelly coach, um, and that's probably who you're referring to. There's a Mike Kelly who is on the bench right now in Carolina, who's an assistant to Gerard Gallant with the New York Rangers. Uh, and I am a Mike Kelly who um, uh, focuses on analytics and works for the NHL Network and uh, Sport Logic as well. So okay. there's a I lot th- of us I, kicking I, around. I don't I blame thought, you. I thought you had done some coaching at some point, though, but there are clearly too many Mike Kellys for me to keep straight. So there you go. I can add that to my blooper reel. <laughs> hey, my blooper reels got worse than that. No worries at all. Uh, did you go now? Were you the Mike Kelly that was at a baseball game today? 
That is accurate. I, that uh, is you. I was at the okay. Colorado Rockies game today. Uh, I had a little bit of time in the afternoon. So I went and checked out the Rockies game. Beautiful day. Uh, they scored uh, late in the game. Not that anyone in Edmonton cares at all about this, but home team wins. So whenever I'm in a road town checking out a sporting event, I just go for the home team, and they won. Okay, perfect. Well, it sounds like you had a fun afternoon. Hey, thanks yeah. for hopping on the show. Uh, this is great. I was I was watching and reading some of your stuff this afternoon. So uh, pretty pretty fascinating stuff. I'm, I'm going to dive right in here. Can you sort of give the um, the summary? And, and we know it here in Edmonton, but I, I know you like to kind of break it down and get the concrete evidence. Like, has there is there even a comparable player to Connor McDavid? to creating chances off the rush no no there's nobody um and that was what yeah that was one of the things i did at the nhl network a couple days ago that uh that it's it blows me away like we we talk about mcdavid he had 17 primary assists i think he's still at that which he's he's been on that number for a few games but um i think gretzky has the all-time playoff record at 25 like that's within striking distance and connor hasn't had one in a in a few games that that's mind-blowing but the, the thing that blows me away the most is we all know how fast he is. We all know what he can generate off the rush, right? We see it every game. When you talk about speed, there's a lot of guys that are fast. And there are guys in the league, believe it or not, that are about as fast as Connor McDavid. What makes him different is what he can do with that speed. The fact that he can operate with the puck at that speed like it's in slow motion. So the way that I measure that, and that I think is so valuable when you're talking about how to quantify a player's ability with speed is what are they doing when they enter the puck, uh, the uh, offensive zone with the puck? Are they creating chances? Are they creating goals? And how many? And Connor McDavid this, se- this season in the playoffs, 49 times he skated the puck into the offensive zone and produced a scoring chance, either by himself or setting up a teammate. The next highest guy in the league is Kucherov at 27. So that's a gap of over 20. The next highest guy on the Oilers is Dreisaitl at 18. So you think about 49 entries that have led to scoring chances for Connor and Leon, who will be in the Hall of Fame one day, is at 18. That to me is just uh, articulates the best you can how dangerous this guy is with the puck when he's breaking into the offensive zone. I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. Well, I'm glad you quantify that because watching the games, I, I think most fans listening would agree with me. You think when McDavid picks up the puck, even in front of his own net, you start thinking, okay, at the very least, the Oilers are going to get the puck in the other end, <laughs> whether they have a scoring chance or not, when he's about 160 feet away from the other teams. And sorry, what, where, does, where does McKinnon rank then? Is he after Kucherov? Yeah, so he's done that 22 times in the playoffs, which is fourth overall. Um, not bad at all. I mean, really good, actually. Again, McDavid's at 49. So, and we know what kind of player McKinnon is. And I think Evans has played one more game off the top of my head, so it's, it's comparable in that sense. Um, but you're right. Even if he just skates the puck into the offensive zone, right, you're not getting scored on. The puck's in the other end. There's value in that, let alone creating scoring chances where there's maximum value. Um, it's it's mind-blowing to watch, honestly, uh, how good this guy has been. Um and how much distance he's put himself between everyone else. Although, then you could talk about Leon if you want and, and what Drysaddle's been doing on you know, an injured ankle. Uh, maybe we don't talk about that enough because you know he just set a record for the most assists in a playoff series, and he did it in five games. Pretty remarkable. 
Well, 17 points in five games, uh, record for points in a, in a, in a five-game series. Now, again, we, we talk about what we can see from Drysdale. He makes the setups. He can shield uh, He can shield checkers and, and hang on to the puck and get double-teamed and still make a play. So w- with McDavid, you talk about the the rush. What what are some of the underlying numbers you see with Drysdale that are sort of eye-popping or evidence of, of how much he's generating? Well, one one thing that stands out, I mean, what you want to do is ultimately try to complete passes into dangerous areas in the offensive zone, get them into the slot, get them into that net front inner slot area. It's where most of the goals are scored, and all the best playmakers were able to do that at a high rate, and he does that. Um, in the second round, he's completed the highest percentage of his offensive zone passes of any forward. And that's good, um, but what to me makes it remarkable is how often he does that under pressure. And he welcomes that pressure. And this is what separates him. He's got the hands of a good row, Patrick Kane type skill forward, smaller guy, but he's got the size of a power forward. And you put that together, what he's able to do that I think makes him different and such a great playmaker is that he, and watch this in this series, because there was a lot of examples in Calgary, uh, the series there. He will wait when a guy's on him and he'll protect the puck well and the guy can't get the puck away from him until another guy comes to him. And once that other guy comes to him to help, you know, his, his defending partner, well, now there's open ice somewhere else. And that's where he can take some contact and still, because he's such a good passer, get a puck to one of his teammates where there's now more open ice. Uh, he did this, if you look at Duncan Keith's goal in the Calgary series, where Matthew Kachuk went all the way across the ice to, to try to help out and take the puck from him. Well, that's Matthew Kachuk's guy now who was open when McDavid set him up from behind the net. The way that he does that, that he sucks guys in, and, and Colorado knows this, so they're, tr- they're going to try not to fall into this trap, but the way that he's able to suck multiple defenders in and then still make a play when you think, okay, we got two guys on you, now you can't do it, that to me is what makes him such a special playmaker. All right, so I, obviously a lot to discuss in this series. I, I was talking in the first half hour of the show about the matchup. And to summarize what I said, Mike, the one guy who is, is very, very unique to me on Colorado is McCarr. And the Oilers, don't, in my mind, don't have any defenseman who's remotely comparable. And I'm not saying the Oilers have a bad defense, because I think as a group of six... Uh, nobody they, does. Yeah, as a, as a group of six... They've played well, but nobody really has a Makar. And I thought, and I'm curious your take on this because I said we know what Makar can do offensively because he can make eye popping plays himself. But I also believe don't underestimate his impact defensively because of his speed to retrieve dump ins and because he's the one guy who might actually be able to win or tie a race with McDavid. How do you look at Makar? Great point. I think that's a great point. And Makar and Taves, in Colorado at least, they're going to get the matchup against McDavid's line. And what I like what you said about defense because I think that's important, is that Calgary, they didn't have any defensemen that could keep up in that sense with someone like McDavid, and even Evander Kane, right, who's fast enough to keep up with McDavid on the rush and hit those backdoor tap-ins. What, you know, dump-ins are one thing, but I don't expect McDavid's line to be dumping the puck a lot. What McCarr and Taves, too, Taves is a sneaky good defender, but what McCarr can do is close. And if McDavid's trying to go around you, McCarr can close, uh, you know, regardless of where McDavid happens to be on the ice. And Taves, too. Um, but 
that's where I think that some of these looks that McDavid and his teammates got off the rush against Calgary might not be available against Colorado um, because these guys aren't going to get, you know, uh, the puck taken around them quite as much because of their closing speed. And they are good defenders. So it'll be, it'll be a bit more of a challenge, but of course it should be, right? You're on to the next round. You're facing a better team. That's, that's what happens. Um, I, I still have never met the man or men who have been able to shut down Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl, <laughs> and I don't think we're going to see them in this series either. How much they can limit them, that's what we're going to find out. And, you know, on paper, I think Jason Greger did some great stuff talking about, you know, how Edmonton's depth has actually outscored Colorado's in the playoffs so far. But, you know, we're two rounds in, a smaller sample. On paper, Colorado's depth is better. Maybe we'll see that in this series. Maybe we won't. But uh, I, I wish, you know, in hindsight, I did this breakdown on McKinnon and, and McDavid for the NHL Network a few days ago. I wish I had done it on McCarr and McDavid. Because those, to me, are actually the two greatest skating threats in the series. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I, and I like how you put that. And I, I wanted to ask you about the depth as, uh, as well, because, I, and I don't include Hyman and Kane in that. Like, to me, those are now part of the Oilers' top-end guys, right? That's part of their top six. So I, I'm wondering if a Fogel, Ryan, Cassian, Archibald, McLeod. We had a caller call in and say he likes the way McLeod has played. If one of those guys gets a big goal, like did, are, are they, in your mind, are those guys holding their own, and do they match up against the Avs depth guys? Like if we're just talking lines three and four? I don't think they do. And uh, you know what? I, I kind of like the way Archibald and McLeod have played. Like I, I get that part of it. Um, you know, if you want to look at process-related you know, data, the stats in terms of, of what's happened when these guys have been on the ice, it's really been the McDavid line. And then the other three have been a little bit underwater. Uh, you can get away with that. That's okay to a, to a degree, especially with how good the power play is for Edmonton. And, and look, Colorado's penalty kill has not been great. So if Edmonton can win the top line matchup, which they're capable of, um, if their power play can do some special things, which it's capable of, Maybe that's enough. And then can Smith out dual Kemper? He's capable. Maybe that's enough. If it does come down to the bottom six of each team against each other, I'm going to put my money on Colorado's. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, Darren Helm's line has been good. The, the fourth line in Colorado. Obi Kubel has been good. Um, Comfer as well. I just think there's more talent down there for the Avs. It may not come down to that, but if that's what we're talking about, then I'd have a hard time saying Edmonton's group is the deeper one there. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, uh, Mike, before I let you go, and I, and first of all, I, I love how you explain this. Like uh, I, you're you're uh, you're very versed in the analytics, but you explain it in a way that we can all understand it. You just don't just come on and fire off a bunch of numbers, which is valuable. Um, not not bad for a junior coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had to do I, it. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay. You you should have me write your resume. I'd have you all over the world. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It'd be well balanced resume. What what's the uh, what's the one analytic that you feel is most misunderstood by fans or gets a bad rap? Because I always say that I hate expected goals. Don't tell me about expected goals. Tell me about real goals. I'm being a little cheeky, obviously, but you know what I mean? What's that one stat where you need to tell people like, hey, just take a second to learn this and it might enrich your view of the game. Uh, I know what you mean, but so if we're going to try to go one step beyond goals, like what would you go to then? 
if we're not going to evaluate a game just based on the amount of goals, because that's who wins. Oh, oh I'd, I'd go for high what, danger scoring chances. I, I'd do high okay. danger scoring chances. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's perfectly normal, right? How many times do we hear coaches talk about grade A chances, right? That's yeah. that's a natural step. Expected goals, it's really the same thing. It's uh, it's based on historical data, just quantifying the danger. It, you know what? It would be less polarizing if we just called it goal probability, because that's uh, what it is. It's it's just. Right. The odds of this shot going in based on where it was taken and how it was created are X. And then you total them up at the end of the game, and that's what expected goals is. It's just a more refined version of a scoring chance or a grade-A chance. I think the naming is a barrier, um, unfortunately, and that's you know that's partially on people from my world, uh, I guess. Um, uh, what's so? Sorry, remind me of your question again. Uh, I was asking which analytic or advanced stat would you gets a bad rap, and you would tell fans oh, okay. like, "Hey, just take a sec to think about it and understand it, and it might enrich your experience of viewing a game." Uh, well, I mean, I, yeah, I guess expected goals might be the thing. That's where I go next after I, I go to expected goals, and then when I'm layering this, I, I kind of look at it like you're peeling an onion to try to understand. So you have your goals. You have your expected goals. That's a goal probability in the game. Um, then you go to your, your scoring chances. How were they created? How did you build up that expected goal number? Um, so for me, if, if it's a three-step, you know, what happened in this game, what's the score, what was the expected goals, that's a goal probability, and then what were the different chance types in the game? That, that's how I look at it. Um, again, I use some, some data that, that isn't available, but there's a lot of great publicly available data as well for that. Uh, the one thing that most fans might not know is shots on goal can be very misleading. Uh, in fact, that the team that outshoots its opponent on average year over year loses more than it wins. Right. So <laughs> a lot of times, you know, and my company's for logic. We work with a lot of media partners and you see our stuff on the air. Sometimes um, what we try to do it, just to start is at least show some quality shots because, um, there's games where a team will shoot another team 35-25, but the team with 25 shots won, and the team with 25 shots had more quality shots. That's a real basic way, I think, where we can start to uh, help the fans understand that, yeah, okay, your team got outshot, but maybe that's because they were protecting the lead. They just kept the other team in the perimeter in the third period, so they gave up 10 shots, but only two of them were really dangerous. And that's to your point about high danger, right? So yeah. um, I think they're starting to break barriers with that, and, and, and that's a good thing. Mike, I wish we had more time. This was an awesome segment. I hope I get to meet you in person because that'll be help help me keep you straight, keep straight who you are. <laughs> hey, I'll be in Edmonton on Friday, so I, I look forward oh, to getting there and uh, seeing all the Oilers fans. Perfect. I really appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Take care. That is Mike Kelly, uh, hockey analyst, analytics expert with the uh, NHL Network. Really interesting. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Off. So McDavid has uh, 49 scoring chances off the rush in the playoffs. Kucherov is second with 27. It's Inside Sports on Chet.
Mike Smith speaking in Denver earlier today was asked by a reporter, are there times you feel 40 years of age? <laughs> yes. Um, obviously it's been, uh, it's, it's been a rocky year, you know, leading up to the playoffs, but so I did feel 40 early on in the season, but, uh, um, saying that, I think, um, to answer your other part of the question, you realize as you get older, your, your chances to, to make a push and make a run for the, for the Stanley cup is, is getting narrower and narrower. So I think you just, uh, um, I think it's something that we've talked about as a group that, you know, your opportunities to get to the conference finals are don't come around every day. So it's something that you want to take advantage of when you get here and, and prepare yourself um, to try and get to the ultimate spot. And that's in the finals. And, and uh, it'll take uh, everyone pulling on the same rope and giving it our, our best shot to get there. A little bit there from Mike Smith. Oilers and Avalanche tomorrow on 6.30. Chad, we'll get the Avs perspective with Connor McGahey when we get back. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.